I'm going to start a new series today. I'm going to call it 24 A Day with God. I just want to uh, ask, uh, just for kicks, how many of you are old enough to remember the, the, the show, the television show called 24? How many of you actually watched it? Man, you know, if you didn't have enough stress in your life, um, go ahead and uh, follow Jack Bauer around. Uh, I have a laminated picture of him in my wallet. I think he was awesome. He had an invisibility cloak long before Harry Potter did because he could do things that I just couldn't believe. If you're not familiar with that TV show back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a show called 24, and the premise of it was, this was back when TV tended to be a bit more monolithic than it is now before streaming and stuff, but you get an episode one per week, and it lasted for 24 weeks. And what they did was each hour of this drama, and boy, it was high espionage, all this stuff. You would only live that one hour with them. Then the next week, you lived the next hour and the next hour until you literally worked your way through a 24-hour day with the uh, protagonist, and his name was Jack Bauer. Great TV show. It, uh, it, it, it pushed the limits of believability, but it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. So what I wanted us to do is we're not going to do 24 hours of this particular series, but what I want you to be able to do is, like we talked about last week, is, uh, is if you belong here, and that is, I, I mean, you're a part of, of the family of God, you're part of a local body of believers, and that we is greater than me, that is true, but the me part of you taking care of your own spiritual growth, which is on you, not on me, not on the person sitting next to you. We give one another tools, we spur one another on to greater love and, and, and Christ following, but you need to have the appropriate tools to live 24 hours a day for Christ. Because if we're going to take this seriously, that's what it means. And I've always been under the impression, since I came to know Jesus Christ when, as my forgiver and leader when I was 12, I was assuming that everything that he said, that's what we were trying our best to do. Uh, I've come to understand that some people just play church, and then people like me drive them crazy. Because it's like, uh, shouldn't we be up, you know, up in our game a little bit? Because if we're not going to let any of this change us, then what's the point? Well, he changes us not during these times whenever you sit, whether you're in your living room or in this big room. Uh, it doesn't, the real change in your life is not happening whenever some oblong dud like me is talking to you and, and teaching you stuff. That's, that's uh, an important thing. It sets direction. It, it exposes you to some things that you probably need to know in your Christ following. But I don't help make you stronger you help make you stronger because the strength comes from being in relationship with Jesus. But a lot of people's like, but I don't understand what that means. And therefore, uh, you know, I think back, one of my favorite parts of what we did last year is that we baptized some folks. And I'm pointing out different ones because they're at different spots in the auditorium right now. We baptized folks and they started a brand new life and saying, you know, I want to go public with Jesus. I want that to happen again this year with some folks wouldn't it be great to have some brand new deliveries into the, 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 the body of Christ, into the family? And I say, some of you guys, I'm looking at you, Tim, I, I can't carry you around like this. You're not a baby. But I'm just telling you, if you're born again, you then need to learn how to grow. Well, I think this series could be very valuable to you. And uh, it, it, it's, 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 use, it's useful stuff that people have taught me. I want to teach it to you. Um, 
What I want to do uh, here is today we're going to be talking about the morning hours. And uh, then next week we'll talk about your work day or your school day or whatever it is that you typically leave the house or you go into a different room and you Zoom your life somewhere else. I'm saying we're going to do the morning, we're going to do the daytime hours, and then we're going to do the evening hours. And what does that look like if you actually lived it in a relationship with God? So I hope that you will tune into that. Like I said, today we're going to talk about the morning hours. Now, I also have to do kind of a survey, and I usually know the percentages on this, because I'm going to ask how many of you are morning people. You can go ahead and raise. See, they're so eager. Morning people are very eager to raise their hands. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Morning. Morning. In fact, I, I guarantee you, the morning people also say yes, and everybody else should be morning people, because if you... Morning people will talk to the non-morning people and like when you get up for your morning and it's not quote-unquote morning anymore, morning people get really upset with you and they say things like, you know, I've already worked a full day, so glad you could join me. What I'm saying is morning people have a tendency to be arrogant about being morning people. God bless you, I'll pray for you. He will forgive all that. Okay. How many of you, let's, let's just do it and it'll take a while because they're unless you've had your seventh cup of coffee. How many of you are not morning people? I know, come on, give a little effort. Okay. It's like, I wish we had an evening service. I know. The, the people who are morning people, they usually have a, a routine. They, they, they do their, it's just, I don't know what your morning routine is. But I do know a few, uh, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of in the morning people. Didn't used to be. Didn't used to be. But the older I got, the way. But I know some morning people who they wake, their eyes come on, boom. It's like, we're done. Sleep is over. And then they sit straight up in bed. And their first thought is, we have many things to accomplish today, and we've got to get them done. Now, some of you, let's be honest, you, the first thought is, I've got to go to the bathroom. That's the very first thing. Go into the bathroom. As soon as that is done, I will go in and I will get my coffee. And then you, you do whatever it is, whether it's, you know, listen to the radio, watch TV, wherever you collect, you know, let's get our bearings for the day. And then you look at your list um, of all the stuff you have to do. And, uh, you know, it's the morning people. This is how this phrase got coined. Morning people are perky. Perky. I helped all of you non-morning people to give a nice name to your morning. Because isn't that the funny thing? Is that morning people marry non-morning people. They, they get together. It's, it's weird. Uh, morning people will also do this to you. It's like, without even being prompted, they go, Did you see the sunrise this morning? It was fantastic. <laughs> you go... No, I didn't. And if you say that any louder, I'm going to punch you. Okay. Here's the other downside to morning people is, though, is that you get around to 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and you start hallucinating. It's like, if I don't, if I don't lie down, I'm going to fall down. I mean, right? Amen. Yeah. Now, I'll just uh, carry this a little bit further. How many of you get up in the 4 o'clock hour every day? God bless you. God bless you. I'm just telling you. Six, five, four, whatever. Yeah. Be, be careful, though. Proverbs 27, 14 basically says, if you greet your neighbor 
with a, you know, cheery greeting. First thing in the morning. It's a curse on the rest of us. You, you can read it. That's my interpretation. Okay. Those who are not morning people. It, this is the difference in the prayers. It's like morning people wake up and they go, Good morning, Lord. Not morning people roll over and go, Oh, good Lord, it's morning. Uh, yeah. Whatever your morning is, and you know, depending on what kind of work you do, your, your, uh, your morning not, might not start in the 4 or 5 or 6 a.m. Um, I want us to be able to see what we can do with this. Because morning people, if they're church people as well, they'll also say, you know, Jesus got up early in the morning to pray. You go, are you trying to make me feel guilty about that? Because you can also throw a verse back. It's like, Jesus also went out late at night to pray. So my takeaway from that is that Jesus wasn't just wanting to pray. He wanted to get away from people. <laughs> oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> My point in all of that, though, is whatever makeup, whatever uh, shape God has given you to be morning or evening, it's really not about you. How, whatever your shape is, He shaped you in order to contribute to the purpose He's working in the world. So if you are a morning person, do it for the glory of God. If you are an evening person, do it for the glory of God. That's what I mean is start looking at all of this through new lenses. Because the assumptions I'm making as I start into this series is that we've got at least three different uh, things going on here. Somebody who's listening in or who walked in this morning wants to experience a vital growing relationship with Jesus Christ and a deep abiding connection with God on a 24-7 basis. Because like I said, I don't think everybody likes to play church. I think a lot of you are like me. It's like, we're going to take this seriously. But I want to know what that feels like. I want to be able to experience Him when I'm at my best and when I'm not. I want to be able to be connected deeply with God all the time. Or maybe somebody, um, you say, I've experienced that in the past, but right now I'm going through a dry spell. Because if you've been a Christ follower for any length of time, you know that sometimes the honeymoon phase wears off. You don't feel Him like you once did working in your life. But that doesn't mean He's left. And it doesn't mean their relationship has changed. What it means is you are in a relationship. Lynn and I are married. How long have we been married? What year is this? 43. 43 years and dated for a couple of years before that. Uh, I would love to say every single day of our relationship has been sunshine and roses. But this is church and it's best not to lie in church. 42 years. It just feels like 43, right? Right. And like I like to say, she'll agree with me, we've been married for 42 years. It's like 38 or 39 of the happiest years of our life. Yeah. Uh, the other two or three, going through dry spells, and we needed a jump start. And praise God, he worked out things to where we're better friends and better lovers than we have ever been, and I'm very grateful. That was, that was wonderful. Aww. And then the other assumption is I'm usually speaking to someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. You know about him, but you don't say you, you couldn't say that you know him. 
and you want to. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep knocking on this door or tuning in or leaning in this direction. I want that for you so badly. Not because coming to Jesus is going to make life magical any more than getting married is going to solve all your problems. It doesn't work that way. What I do know is that my life actually has um, been freed from guilt for the wrong things I've done. Because Jesus took my guilt. And yeah, there are days when I cannot figure out why I got this diagnosis or this happened in my life or I lost that job or you know, I go through anything that you might have been through. I don't understand it, but I also know that whenever I almost lost her to an illness about 10, 11 years ago, went into that chapel, I never doubted that he was there or that he was listening to me. I didn't understand why we needed to go through that. I'm still unpacking that, saying he's constant and I love him for it. He's my very best friend. I want you to know that. But he's also my God. Just like we were singing earlier. Holy, holy, holy. That word conjures up so many different kinds of things. But what the word actually means is set apart and so different. It, it's, it's a different category to which there has been no other comparison. And yet that holy, righteous God's leaned in my direction and wants to spend time with me. And he wants to spend time with you. So I hope that you will give consideration to all that. So whether you start your day at 10, 2, or 4, um, I will say this. I think if you lean into Jesus, if you trust him, if you follow him, if you do what he's asking you to do, you will eventually be able to say, I believe you are who you say you are, and that you will do what you said you will do. And when you do that, he'll honor that faith, and he will give you a brand new life, a life that is better than the life you have without him. And he will make you better at life. Because he brings wisdom with him. And his Holy Spirit, his spirit takes up residence in you and he guides you. So I think if you spent some time with him each and every day in this kind of thing that I'm telling you about, uh, your life's going to be better. You're going to have a better long-term physical, I mean, uh, spiritual health. And, uh, and it will never end. So connect with God in the morning hours just like Jesus did. And uh, if you haven't trusted Jesus yet, I hope that you will... Um, You'll trust him today. Let's just do some action steps. And this is the way I'm going to deal with this this week and next and then week after that. It's just some action steps, some things that you can do. I will tell you up front, don't try to tackle all four of these things that I'm telling you about. Pick one and start working on it and then add the others. But I encourage you, just like they did me way back in the day, take notes on this and then actually do something with it. Don't just feel warm, fuzzy feelings or have God bumps. Ooh, that was great today. And then you go, you know, have lunch and you forget all about it. Take some notes, do something with this. So, um, not in any particular order. I would just say, here's some stuff you need to do in your morning hours to connect with God, to connect with Christ. And that is, shout it. <laughs> I don't literally mean that, unless, of course, you live by yourself, and that's great. Because if you are a morning person and you love taking things literally and you wake up in the morning and you go, praise the Lord, you may die within the next few seconds because the person you live with will come in and kill you. Okay. But I am saying shout it. It needs to be done with passion. And what I mean by that is you're speaking words of worship. Like I said, some of you, you've been Christ followers long enough that they go, this is, this, is, this is cookies on the bottom shelf. Yes, cookies on the bottom shelf. But always remember, just like the Denver Broncos need to remember, you got to go back and do the basics. 
in order to win at the end of the season. Oh, sorry, was all of that outward? Because that was just inward stuff. That was right. My point is, is that whatever you are, you know, wherever you are in your, your maturity with Christ, don't ever forget to speak out words of worship to begin with because it reminds you that it's not about you. And I told you this in the message last week, it's the weirdest thing. It's like, but I want to have self-fulfillment. I want to know what I'm created to be. I want to make an impact. Well, the weirdest thing happens is that if you stop focusing on yourself and you focus on the God who made you, then you find the fulfillment you were looking for and you start making a difference and it's the weirdest thing. I've been up on the mountain and I've seen the other side, y'all. I'm telling you. Stop thinking about yourself. Think about God. Do whatever you've got to do in order to start thinking about God first thing in the morning, whether you wake up bright and cheery or it takes you two or three hours. The point is, before your feet hit the floor, let your first thought be, God, you're awesome. Yeah? I've told you two or three of the devices over the years that I've used, and one of them is N by 4. In by four. It's very easy for me to remember. In by four. Lord, I am in your kingdom. I will live by your power and I will live for your glory. But it also is just an easy three different hooks. In by four. That's one of the very first thoughts I have every morning. With all of our devices, you can program it as your alarm goes off. A verse of scripture that means the most to you about who God is can pop up on your device. There are so many methods to do this. But the point is, let your soul, the thinking, feeling, and deciding part of you, decide and think and feel that I'm going to focus on God. And you shout from your heart, God, you are awesome! Because who else would look at me, this oblong dud, this sinner, this guy who's messed up far more than he wishes, that I try to do the right thing, and yet your grace and your mercy still extends to me, and you love me again today. You are a friend who will never give up on me. You will never walk away. God, you're awesome. Your forgiveness. The reason I would say shout is some of you need to, to, to you know, borrow some of mine. You need to live a bit more passionately. I am living passionately. Okay. I get it. Speaking of football, Tom Landry, anybody remember him? Dallas Cowboys, one of the best coaches. One of the ads they used to have in Dallas was, I don't know, selling cars or something. I was like, smile, Tom. He's like, I am smiling. Okay, I get it. You can be passionate and very good at what you do without, you know, song and dance. I get it. Get it. You don't have to be Tigger like me. But I'm saying you definitely need to develop some passion that your heart beats for God. You say, but what am I doing? Well, two things. If God is real, and He is, because He's been expressed very clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. Whenever you're praising or shouting that to God, you're looking at His face. I don't mean a literal face. I'm saying God has a character. It's expressed in these words that we have in Scripture. And when you look at his face, you speak about who he is and what you're thankful for and you praise him for that. But you also spend some time and you say, God, I look at your hands, meaning I see what you do. Because those are two different things. His character is always there. Sometimes his hands move in your situation and sometimes they do not because he's got bigger plans than you know. 
But you look at his face, you look at his hands, you spend time in praise, you spend time in thanksgiving, you focus on who he is, you also thank him and praise him for what he does. Not just in your life, but in the lives of your children, in the lives of your parents, that you can see him working in your finances. You say, God, I love your character, and God, I love your blessings. You learn over time, just like you do when you get into a relationship with anyone else. You spend time with him, and you begin to see him more clearly than you ever have before. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Okay. Because you can say in the same breath, God, you are so wise and merciful and gracious and forgiving and creative. But you can literally also say, God, thank you for giving me air. (sighs) And the ability to have bad breath first thing in the morning. God, thank you for water and how it goes through all my plumbing and it works. Thank you, God, that I have a purpose to get out of bed. Thank you for life. Thank you for the capacity to not only love you, but love the people around me. Lord, thank you so much for giving me the capacity to be happy and to be sad. Thank you for redeeming me and calling me out of what I once was. And literally, I belong here and I get to play on your team. This could go on and on. I'm just saying, you've got to find some things that you touch on every single time you wake up. It'll take some practice because you haven't been living this way in all likelihood. But you can, and it will make a difference. Make it the primary thing. So what is your first thing? Is it the bathroom? Then praise God that the plumbing's working. And I don't mean just your house. I'm talking about your plumbing. I'm serious. The very fact that we have air and our bodies function correctly. Way to go. Thank you, God. I didn't start drinking coffee till I was 43 years old. And I'm making up for lost time. And every time I pour my seventh cup, I'm going, God, thank you for coffee. Mm. Need some right now. You know, another thing I love, I know a lot of you go, oh, winter, it's the most wonderful thing. One of my friends is watching this morning because she's ill. She knows exactly what I'm talking about, and that is my coworker, Bethany. There will be no winter in heaven. I just promise you all that. <laughs> yep, she's probably in the chat right now, making sure I'm getting straight out. I'm just telling you, during the winter, one of the most God-given gifts is a hot shower. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> I'm just telling you, look at whatever your first is, and then do that in light of who God is, and honor Him with your thoughts, with your actions, and where you're going with it. Whether your prayer sounds like, I have decided to follow Jesus after my third cup of coffee. Whatever it may be, I'm just saying. Thank God you have another day. And I have a friend in this room who he made a habit when he came to Christ not all that long ago. He basically says, God, I thank you for another day to live. And I do not know who I'm going to meet nor what you're going to have me do. But I am willing to let you lead me and I will make the most of these hours, days. And I'm just telling you, he, if you get him talking on it, he'll tell you, he, he, God did this, God did this, God did this. I'm just telling you, worship with your, uh, your passionate thoughts now. And then, um, Lord, please help us to uh, worship you later. Why? Why words of worship? Let's hit the high spots on that. 
Worship immediately alerts you that God has a position that is higher than yours, that he, His presence is always with you, His power is greater than yours, and His favor is in your favor. This is from the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. The instruction is, Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below, and there is no other. That's beautiful. He is the only God. Brings clarity to your life. Who should I listen to? The one and only God. And remember, whenever you're saying praise to God, He doesn't need it. He is complete in and of Himself. But what I love about it is you read these words in this, this thing called the Bible, He wants it. He longs for you to be in relationship with Him. And He wants your words of praise. Here's another one. Uh, Psalm 118.24 This is the day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Doesn't say anything about the condition of that day. It just says, this is the day. He made it. I'm going to be rejoice in it because he's got this. And this is more than just having a positive mental attitude. I think you should have a positive mental attitude. It's, 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 it's great to do that. But having a positive mental attitude is not enough. That's getting your calibration set right. What I'm talking about, you and I need an attitude adjustment of who am I going to live for today. You say, well, God, I'm choosing you, and before I start anything else, um, I want to honor you, and I pray that you'll make me a better, make me a better person, make me a, a better parent, make me a better child. Um, Lord, show me how to lead these employees better than I ever have before, or help me to be the best employee I can possibly be for the honor and glory of God. Because you're having to choose between will you live your life with humility and gratitude, or will you live your life with arrogance going, if it's to be, it's up to me. Because any energy that you have comes from Him, so honor Him by saying, you gave that to me, I'm not going to be selfish with it, I'm going to give it all to you, I'm going to give my best. Um, take this to another level. Find these, I put several verses in these notes. You can pick one, put it on your mirror, learn what God has said about words of worship, write them down, put them by your bed, Every time you wake up, figure out how to do that. Um, I, I guess what I want you to know is I'm trying to set you up for a win. What I'm telling you here works. I've been down this road before. It works. So I can't do it for you, but you can do it. And you can do it starting tomorrow morning. Try it. You'll like it. <laughs> Some of you are going, I don't feel like it. And I would say to you something really godly. Do it anyway. There are a ton of things that you have to do that you don't want to do and you don't feel like doing. But grown-ups actually do stuff they don't want to do because it needs doing. Amen. So be a grown-up. Nobody's going to do it for you. Here's another thing I would tell you. It's like, I don't feel like it. Gets it backwards. We don't feel our way into an action. We act our way into a feeling. That's what mature people do. You want the feeling to come along, then go do what is right, and it will start to catch up with you. Could I get an amen on that? Amen. Okay. If you do it for a string of days, though, I guarantee you start to change the way you think about your life and about your circumstances, about faith, about God, all that. Okay. Let's go on to the next one. Um, need to feel it. Feel it. And what I mean by that is you need, and it's okay to feel good, that you have worth from God. You are not an accident. Like I've said, no matter what your parents may have told you, you are not an accident. Okay? 
Because God wanted that DNA and he brought those two people together to create you. You're not an accident. They may be accidental parents, but they're no accidental children. You have worth, but the reason you have worth is because the God of the universe made you and wants you. Our society has gotten us into thinking that if we can think ourselves into whatever our identity we want to create it, then that somehow gives us value. That's, that's upside down. The reason you have value is not because of you, it's because of who made you. And when you know your maker and you live for him, then all of a sudden your identity starts to clear up and wow, how cool is that? I'm worth something. I'm not an accident. God has already given me my worth. And so I think you need a daily dose of saying, God's crazy about me. Yeah. And you do that for a little while and then you stop thinking about yourself because like, okay, that's solved. What can I do now? What can I do? You're not just a number. God doesn't speak to you like, hey, you. He calls you by name. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And there's nothing you can do that will make him stop doing that. (laughs) I think that's awesome. Six of us think that's really cool. The rest of you like, I don't know. Because I don't think it's moved for a lot of you from your head to your heart. Because if you understand that, he is not going to stop loving you and that he is always going to keep the door open and that it is up to you to whether you're going to take advantage of that tremendous, wonderful blessing. That's up to you. You say, well, how do I get myself into a position where I can feel it? Again, I say one of God's richest blessings is a hot shower in the morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This has become even more so in the last few years, but it's always been so. You know, there's an 80-20 rule at work, and that is 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. You know, we've all heard that. But there's also an 80-20 rule that happens when you're in public ministry, and that is anytime you get up in front of a group of people to lead them, 80% of the people like you and 20% don't. God bless you all. Because even in this room and in those rooms over there, I know some of you do not like me. You don't like, like the way I part my hair. You don't like the clothes I wear. You don't like the tone of my voice. I get it. But there are a lot of people who do like me. But here's the thing. God likes me completely. He's not always proud of everything. And he works on, you know, smoothing off the rough edges. But he always loves me. 100%. He loves me as I am. Loves me too much to leave me that way. I am created in his image. I'm an original. I want you to figure out what is a trigger that will trigger me to remember that God loves me. I'm not an accident. I do have a life. It's supposed to be lived out for his purposes. That I am his masterpiece. Which is just to chase a rabbit on that. C.S. Lewis once said, you know, if we are God's masterpiece and he's like, you know, our life is the canvas and God's trying to get everything to be right. If you've ever watched the the masters at work, they'll put the, the, the paint on and it's in the wrong spot, so they'll take a knife and they'll scrape it off so they can put it on right. And he basically said, whenever God's working on you, there's a lot of that going on, and sometimes your prayer is not, God, would you please love me? It's, God, would you love me a little less? <laughs> because the master is at work on his masterpiece, and he will make us uncomfortable because he's trying to shape us to be the men and women that he wants us to be. Yeah, it's powerful stuff, I think. 
Uh, I tell you all this all the time, but please try to figure out a way to get God's Word in front of you. I know that there's some people, I don't do this, but some people, they take a wax uh, pencil into the shower or bath, and that way it stays there, but they write God's Word on the walls of their shower so that as they wake up, that's the first thing they see. Do whatever this takes. Here's a verse you could put up there, Psalm 31. It says, Praise the Lord, for He has shown me His unfailing love. And then it turns personal. It says, Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. And how, how I praise you. How I praise you. You are awesome. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Okay. Um, what I'm talking about here is you don't have all morning because you got to get to work. But if you were to say, I'm going to set aside 5 to 15 minutes of my day. That's just a little bit of the 24 hours of the day. You're going to shout it because you get a, a passionate praise toward him. And you're going to feel it and remind yourself that he loves you. The third one is hide it. Hide it. I'm talking about hide the words of God in your heart. This is so powerful. And, and we're so blessed. Because you know the world changed because of people who followed Jesus Christ and they didn't have the benefit of the second half of this book that we call the Bible. The world changed because people loved like Jesus loved. It wasn't because they'd memorized more verses than you. Should you memorize verses? Yes, because they contain truth and you need to feed on truth so that your life is guided by those truths. So we're blessed. We have not only what God was doing before Jesus showed up, we have the fact that He did show up and this is the impact that He had and then it's up to us to take the baton and go with it. I'm saying if you have a copy of God's Word or you have one of these devices, get the YouVersion Bible app right now. Write me out, as my, my wife likes to say. Do it right now. Because in the U version, you can read in practically any language you want to read in. You can read in multiple translations in English or any other language. I'm just telling you, as soon as you can, you need to figure out how to get either a printed copy of this that we call the Bible or get the electronic version or get both. Okay? And hide God's word in your heart. This is the, this is the key verse there. Psalm 119.11. He says to God, he says, God, I have hidden your word in my heart. Here's the purpose. That I might not sin against you. Because if you have truth, truth pushes out lies. If you see truth and then you act on it, it starts to shape your life. You act on it, you put it into practice. I'm just saying you've got to hide it in your head and in your heart. Because if, 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 if the accuser, Satan, comes after you and tries to get you to do what God does not want you to do, you don't always have time to find a handy pocket New Testament or pull up a passage of Scripture to refute that with truth. But if you have it here and here, then you go, sorry, loser. You do not get to have any portion of my head or my heart today because you're telling me to do something that's contrary to the truth that God told me about me, about the situation, about how I'm supposed to love. Hide it in your heart. Here's the three keys to memorizing Scripture. Okay, review is number one. Nobody seems to be writing this down. Okay, second is review. And then the third step is review. Okay, that's how memorization works. If it's important to you, you remember it. And you do it by memory because you review it. Pick verses. Pick some verses that are printed literally on the notes. We give you those 
to have in front of you, not just because, you know, you need something to do with your hands. I'm saying pick one of those and start memorizing God's Word. Here's that same verse in a paraphrase. It's in the message paraphrase. Psalm 119.11 from the message paraphrase. It says, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Aristotle, fairly intelligent fellow from way, way back, he said, living a virtuous life is a series of habitual choices. And I would say, let's take that to another level. Living a godly life is a series of tiny choices that you and I make every day that shape us into the Christ follower that God wants us to be. And one of those is knowing what God said and then doing it. Here, my dream, and we do this in all kinds of different ways, but one of my dreams that I'm trying to live out through you is that you would learn how to love God's Word, that you would learn God's Word to let it direct your life, and that you would live God's Word. You will go wrong if you do those things. Love, learn, live God's Word. Because there are powerful promises attached to that. Psalm 119, 165 says this. It says, those who love your teachings, God will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. Those who love your teachings will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. Okay. Been around church long enough and tried to help people with this. People go, well, you know, but I've got this, this other thing. Or I don't have the time or whatever. Those are excuses. Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they both stink. Okay. If you say, I don't have time, I say to you what my dad used to say to me to an annoying level. He's like, David, you do what you want to do. You will make time for whatever you think is important. So increase the importance of this and you will make time for it. Some people say, well, I'm not sure I believe it. Okay, time out, time out. I've spent a lot of time with this book. And there are things in here that you need to know. And then I would say from experience, you need to believe them because it will bless your life. But I will also say, you don't read anything. You don't decide to read anything because you believe it. Y'all remember newspapers? Or you read on, on, on here, whatever. You do not read a magazine or a newspaper because you believe it. That is not your motivation. You read it in order to get information and then you, through wisdom, hopefully, decide, do I believe what I just read? Okay. Same thing with the Bible. The Bible is written to those who already believe, honestly. It's an instruction guide for life. And those who are not a part of the faith, they're free to read it. It's not like hidden. It's the best-selling book to this day. But I'm saying, read the Bible, question it, ask God for clarity. In fact, I would say, go and see what Jesus had to say and then check him out. Follow him around. See what he says. See if his words have any meaning. But don't, don't use an excuse like, well, I'm not sure I believe it. Well, just read it. You say, well, I find it confusing. Okay, let me help you not be confusing because some of you, I'm losing you. Come on, come on. You're going to have to work on your own uh, particular ability to focus for any length of time. I can't do anything about that, okay? But a lot of you are trying things that don't work and then you get discouraged because some of you probably said, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible through this year. I'm going to do that. And if you are reading certain reading plans, like I'm doing the Bible Recap, highly, uh, highly recommend it. It's in the Bible app. The Bible Recap, we started a little bit in Genesis, and then we go to the oldest writing in the Bible, and that is the book of Job, or the book of Job, if you're not familiar with it, spelled J-O-B. Okay. 
you read that and you go, I'm not sure I'm really into this. In fact, I think you should never read the book of Job until you're 50. <laughs> then it'll start to make sense. That also goes for like, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm saying, you know what? Here's just some good advice. If you're trying to know God's word and you don't have a clue about it right yet, skip the first part. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one of them. My favorite's John. But read them all. Read them one chapter a day. That's all. Just one chapter a day. You'll get in trouble if you read two. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. You don't go to a library and pick a shelf and just start reading books. The Bible is a library. It's a collection of 66 writings. And if you try and start reading in Genesis and start reading through, you'll hit Leviticus and you'll go, I have absolutely no idea what is going on here. And you give up. Don't worry about that right now. If you want a, 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 a little bit more strenuous, quickly, Genesis, Exodus, any of the Gospels. My favorite's John. So Genesis, Exodus, John, Acts, and Romans. Read those five. You'll get the basic lay of the land for the entire Bible because everything else refer. I mean, those five books refer to everything else in the Scripture. Y'all get that? Genesis, Exodus, um, one, of the, one of the Gospels, Acts, and Romans. Take it one, one chapter at a time. You say, but there's so many translations and people tell me these things that if you don't read this translation, it's not God's word. Let me just say, the Bible was not written in English. Amen. Okay, so what you're reading, unless you happen to be an extraordinary individual who reads Hebrew and ancient Greek and some Aramaic, you're reading a translation. Okay, don't let that freak you out. So what are we going to do? Well, there's a ton out there, but I'll give you the three that I go, kind of triangulate my, my way through life, and that is the CSB. CSB, it's the Christian Standard Bible. Very accurate, has some of the latest uh, discoveries of ancient scrolls, and it confirms it's beautiful. CSB, easy reading, but it's also very accurate. I, my day-to-day -day reading is the NLT. NLT is the New Living Translation. It is accurate, but its intent is to make it more conversational, like I talk. So I read a lot out of the NLT. And then sometimes when I can't quite get a bead on, what does that mean? I, I, I flip over to the, the MSG or the message. It's a paraphrase. It's not intended to be accurate. It's, it's written, it's paraphrased for clarity. If you read those three, you're not going to venture off into weird territory. You'll have accuracy, you have readability, and understandability. Just, you, that's why... You can literally flip back and forth. You can actually pull it up on your device and read them side by side. It's an amazing thing. It's, wow. The U version, you can take notes, make highlights, you can journal. I'm doing a reading plan with a friend right now. You read it, and then that end of that day, he's like, this is what this meant to me. And then they do the same thing back to you. It's a beautiful thing. Those are the things that you can do to get started. That is not the finish. But I'm just saying, if you eat a little bit every single day, and then you show up, either uh, online or in person, I'm telling you, uh, on Sundays, then you, you get to have a feast, you know, because we get to do all this together. Here's another one. Uh, got some things I want to tell you. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament uh, was, uh, a lot of it was written by uh, one of the guys who's considered to be one of the smartest, wisest men who ever lived. His name was Solomon. Guess what, y'all? Guess what? They divided it into 31 different chapters. And you're going, why are you so excited? 30 days has September, April, June, and November. 
All the rest have. <gasps> Isn't that amazing? You can literally have a copy of God's Word and stay on track with your reading material because you go, what day is it? Today's the 14th. Proverbs 14. Learn God's Word. Learn God's wisdom. What's tomorrow? It's the 15th. I'll read the 15th. Okay, so you fall off the truck a little bit and then you don't pick it back up till the 18th. Well, then go to the 18th chapter. You literally have a Bible study right there in front of you month after month after month and you don't have to have the preacher there to explain anything to you. It's beautiful. Could I get an amen? It's just wonderful. Wow. Ah. My point in all of this is that if you are opening up God's Word, you are reading for depth, not length. You go, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today. Well, duddy duddy for you. If you didn't learn anything about Jesus or about how you're supposed to live, what's the point? Then read one chapter a day. What does that mean? If you have questions, write them down. Come ask me. You can get, I can get you on my text line and we can, we can have conversations. It's a beautiful thing. He said, your bird is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. This is God's mag light for your life. It's wonderful. It's always available. It will help you make your way through the dark. Do anyone, anybody in this room ever feel like you're stumbling away through the dark? Well, go to God's Word. So we got shout it, feel it, hide it. Let's go on to the last one. That is, say it. Because the part we just dealt with, that was listening. This is speaking. Okay? Say, speak words of prayer. You let God speak to you through His Word. You speak to Him through prayer. A lot of people get hung up on this. It's like, well, how am I supposed to pray? Because when I pray, people say, like, you're like, when I pray... I sure don't want to pray out loud. That's embarrassing. But whenever I have to pray out loud, I sound like I got a bunch of marbles in my mouth. I didn't know I spoke Latin. That's not prayer, exactly. You go, well, how am I supposed to pray? Like you talk. It's a conversation with God. Talk to Him. Tell Him what you're feeling. You say, hell, I'm not supposed to do that, as long as it takes. Sometimes conversations are just a few words. Sometimes it takes a while to work through that conversation. Am I right? And that's with people that you can literally see there in front of you. I would simply say, in your prayer life, focus on connecting with God. Don't focus on the clock. Just talk to Him. Say, my best time to pray is when I'm driving. Should I close my eyes? No. No. You say, how long am I supposed to pray? The model prayer that Jesus gave us, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's a disciple's prayer. He told them to say, this is how you should pray. It's very short. And it's categorical. Praise Him first, then ask for provision, then ask for protection, and then God asked for, for, for power to be able to live for you. Because what you're doing is you're talking to God and you want to talk to Him humbly. You want to talk to Him honestly. That's why I say, you're going through a rough time, then tell God that you're ticked off. You say, that's okay. You need to read the Bible. The people who were ticked off at God, they let him know. He did not run screaming from the room. 
Sometimes he didn't respond in that moment, but sometimes, my favorite, I'm reading the book of Job right now, and it got to chapter 39, 40. <laughs> this is how I know it's okay to use sarcasm in your daily life, because God was very sarcastic back toward Job. Because after Job had said all his peace, God said, where were you whenever I made the mountains? And where were you whenever I formed the seas and skies? Oh, that's right. You weren't there. <laughs> And he didn't chide him. He didn't say you shouldn't do that. He's like, you just need to keep perspective there, man. Because the goal is constant communication with the God who loves you. If you don't have a literal prayer closet, then make your car, your truck. Wherever you can get along with God, talk to him. It's a conversation. Listen to this. Jesus taught it this way. And I love, he's so, uh, you know, uh, just, just so matter of fact. In Matthew 7, he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? <laughs> no. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Well, sometimes when you're practical joking. No, no, okay. Of course not. He said, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you believe that God has the capacity to answer your prayer? I will say yes, and his answers are either yes, no, or wait. And some people say, well, isn't that praying and, and all that other stuff, isn't that just a coincidence that it happens? It's like, well, I'm old enough and been praying long enough. It's the weirdest thing to me. How It's just amazing how many coincidences begin to happen to people who actually pray. I'm telling you, these are just your morning hours and you can do this. I'm trying to help you get past your guilt for not having done it or I'm not doing it right. Start somewhere. Grow your faith in God in the morning hours. Connect with God. That's what happens. Your relationships, all of them, including your relationship with God, relationships thrive on good, healthy, constant communication. Love this. Going to read you a little bit. There's a book out there called Too Busy Not to Pray. One of its best, it says this. What it boils down to is if you're willing to invite God to involve himself in your daily life, you will experience his prevailing power. That power may come in the form of wisdom. It may come in the form of an idea that you desperately need and can't come up with yourself. It may come in the form of courage greater than you could ever muster. It may come in the form of confidence or perseverance, uncommon staying power, a changed attitude toward your spouse or a child or a parent. It might, be shown, it might show up as a changed circumstances, maybe even outright miracles. But however it comes, God's prevailing power is released in the lives of people who pray. I've given you four. This is not exhaustive. These are the things I've found to be very useful. Pick one, pick one. And get started tomorrow. Circle the one you want to start with. Have a plan. Put it beside your bed tonight so that you do it tomorrow. Before you head out to the office or to the field or to the classroom, whatever you do, pick one of these and start practicing it. And then over time, you can add the others. You say, why are you so insistent on this? Because if you're not doing this, you're missing out. That's right. There is something to be had of spending a closer few minutes with God each and every day. This is what I was trying to get at last week. If you and I agree that we is greater than me, then we have to understand that the people who are not here yet are hurting. 
And when you engage with hurting people, you need to be as healthy as you possibly can be because healthy people are obligated to help hurting people. Are you ready? If you're not, then get there. Because you might be the only Jesus they will ever see. You need to be healthy and you need to be connected to the author of life. I'm just telling you, I'm tired of seeing people who claim to be Christ followers, but they live very weak and starved lives because there's so much more. We've been invited to the banquet that Jesus has set. He's given us an instruction to go and find other people and invite them to the banquet. Do you live like you are being fed in a banquet? Get healthy. Start your morning with God. Here's Psalm 1, and and then I'll wrap this up. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. He said, oh, the joys of those who delight in doing everything God wants them to. And day and night, they're always meditating on his laws. And they're thinking about ways to follow him more closely. And they are like trees along a riverbank bearing luscious fruit in each season without fail. And he says, their leaves shall never wither and all they do shall prosper. I will tell you this, if you have felt any sort of tug in the direction of what I've talked about today, go with it. Because I know from experience that is the tug of God saying, this is what you need. This is my awakening for you. Go with it. Lean into that. And if you do this, I promise you, if you do what I'm asking you to do today, mark it down that sometime in June or July you will look back and go, I am not in the same place in my faith that I was in January. You will have grown. It's just a thing. Because you will have made a deeper, stronger connection with God. And you will be glad you did that. I will also say this. It's time to do it. Don't put it off anymore. I'll say this again. It's doable. What I've taught you today is not out of your reach. It's time. So start tomorrow morning. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing a song, like I said, that's way back. But it is our awakening. Heavenly Father, you know our hearts and you know we want to connect with you. But either because we didn't have the right tools or maybe we were just trying to live on intentions, we have not reconnected with you. It's not the intentions, God, that are going to make the difference. It's our commitments to you. And at this moment, we're just looking at this and saying these are some very basic and practical things. Show us. Which one to pick? Give us the ability to trust you and commit that we will start tomorrow morning leaning into you. Learning that we want to shout your praise. We want to feel the value that you give us. Lord, we want to hide your word in our heart. And Lord, we also want to speak it. We want to say it. We want to speak to you. You are our closest friend. Lord, as we pray these prayers of commitment, may you get all the honor. And the glory and the credit, because you're the one who changes lives, there is no one else. There is no one else, just you. In this moment, may important things be said and done. In fact, Lord, if, my, if there's anybody in the online campus or the Cortez campus today that says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God that Jesus is my forgiver and leader. Give them the courage to do that, Lord, and we welcome them into the kingdom. Let's do some awesome things, and God, we ask you to bless it. And I pray this in the precious, almighty name of Jesus. Amen.